Welcome to the Televerse, the podcast just for TV. Because it's great, we're lucky they make so many fine programs to see. Your also and Kate like to debate the merits of all that they've seen. Comedy, genre, reality, drama, and anything that's in between. Welcome to the Televerse, let's the show. Hello and welcome to the Televerse. This is Kate Kolsik, joined together by Noel Kirkpatrick. And uh, Noel, there's, there's still lots of TV to talk about. But next week, all the CW shows have their finales, pretty much. Mm-hmm. And then there's still lots of shows that we and watch. And then Stargirl starts. And then Stargirl starts. But there are a lot fewer shows that we both regularly watch. So yes. things are about to get interesting. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be rough. But you know what did come back? The detour apparently came back and we did not care. You did not care. Because we have learned that lesson. It took us a while, but we got there. And we're very happy that we've gotten mm-hmm. there. So it's good. It's a good thing. Yeah. Oh, man. So this week in uh, in distancing, uh, I, I'm trying not to repeat myself, so I'm not even going to link to it. But the main thing I have, because I've talked about SGN quite a bunch, some good news with the John Krasinski thing. And they've had a bunch of celebrities on, right? Because they're mm-hmm. a bunch of famous people all know each other and, you know, are looking for things to do. Um, but they went next level because they did their graduation episode where they you know did a you know convocation or like this convocation at the end of the year it doesn't matter they did the graduation ceremony and so for their speakers they brought on four different guests and they had people submit questions and then they picked a few questions and they paired them with the speaker okay so the first person was paired with steven spielberg and the second person um i'm gonna go to them last the last person was paired with john stewart the Third person was paired with Oprah, and you're like, Kate, you just said Oprah. Who's bigger than Oprah? Well, the second person was pa- paired with Malala. They That's got way Malala. Than Oprah. Yeah. That is so fucking cool. So, uh, shout out to SGN and Krasinski. Uh, and especially because Kids was all about, you know, kids who aren't able to do their graduations this year. So, uh, from all different age ranges, but mostly focusing on high school and college. And Malala graduated college this year. So, like, mm-hmm. there's an extra level of connection. Oh, yeah, sure. And it was just really great. So, damn. <laughs> I, I don't know what they could do now that would surprise me or that I would be like, I can't believe they got because they got Malala. And right. I mean, Damn. I don't think so. you can get anyone else. Yeah. You're not going to surprise me beyond that. The only person I can think that you can get is like Thomas Pinchon. And that's literally it. <laughs> that's literally the only person that they could get at this point. That would be surprising. Because you're <laughs> so, never yeah. going to get Thomas Pinchon. Yeah. Yeah. No. Um, there are a lot of fun different, you know, things out there right now around social distancing and like people helping everybody get through it. Please send us your favorites. Uh, and when I say us, I mean, send me <laughs> your favorites. Cause I don't know if Noel is interested in all of that because it might actually be more stressful, but I am looking for stuff. So <laughs> please do send me happy, fun videos. Um, a little bit of TV news. We had a couple things break this week. And one of them was like today, like when I, while I was talking to <laughs> some BH1 PR people, um, it broke that, uh, or they they had previously announced that All Stars Drag Race All Stars is going to be on VH1. Originally, it was going to be on Showtime, but they moved it over to back to VH1 starting in June because of all like just shakeups in the scheduling because of uh, the pandemic yeah. and everything. And you know, I saw Tom and Lorenzo uh, mention on Twitter they're surprised that they're not stretching it out, seeing as it's going to take a while before they're able to film the next season. 
So if you've got this season in the can, which they do, and you know, like probably no one's going to be able to be filming anything for quite a while, let alone like guests and like all the stuff that goes into filming a reality show. Why not hold on to this? But my guess is that they're like, that's future us problems. Also, probably the fans will want a break after like back to back. Also, Drag Race and Celebrity Drag Race, at least last week, had their high VH1's highest Friday night ratings of all time. So they're like, let's keep this going. <laughs> Viacom CBS wants to keep that money rolling. Yeah. So that, yeah. Anyways, what that means for everybody else is if you don't have Showtime, but you have VH1, you can watch All-Star Season 5. And the the cast is stacked. So I am very excited. Um, they've got some of the best lip singers, like, mm-hmm. ever. Um, so I know that that someone, I think I want to say it was RuPaul, has tweeted that they're changing up. There's some surprises in store for Season 5. But I need the surprise to not be the loss of lip sync for your legacy because there are some people I expect to do very well and I want to see them lip sync every week. So <laughs> we'll see what happens, but I'm certainly excited for that. There was also some uh, HBO Max and Crunchyroll news. Right. So HBO Max announced yesterday that they're going to start allowing Crunchyroll, which for those of you who may not be aware is a anime streaming uh, platform that is owned by a subsidiary of what used to be at AT&T Auto Media, but now is part of the Warner Media umbrella under which HBO Max is their flagship streaming platform now that comes out at the end of May. So they are, Crunchyroll is going to curate anime content for HBO Max. Uh, that's going to be on like a rotating basis. They announced like the initial lineup of stuff, which included Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood, um, a couple of other shows, uh, as well as Keep Your Hands Off Off Izoken, which is a show that I really, really enjoyed and talked about um, after it wrapped up a couple of months ago. One of your best of the year so far. Yeah, no, easily one of my best of the year so far. It's really, really great. I'm very excited to, for people to get a chance to watch it, but Two things about this. One, this is really interesting. Um, The Verge framed this as HBO Max coming for Netflix, which is a mistake. Um, It's it's definitely HBO Max coming for Hulu, which has a much deeper anime catalog because of its first look deal with Funimation. Netflix's anime catalog is actually kind of small in comparison. It's like maybe 70 to 120 titles, somewhere in that range. Whereas it Hulu has like 300 and something titles, which is much, much more. Um, So that is one thing. The other thing is just HBO slash Warner Media looking at all its properties and going, what can we pull from? What can we draw? How do we get people to watch that may not? What? How do we fill out our content roster, basically, from our existing properties? So that's, I think, is really interesting. But the other thing is, is that you can watch Crunchyroll without a subscription. You don't have to pay for it. Yeah. You you can just watch those episodes. As long as you're okay watching the same three ads, <laughs> every ad break, you're you're golden. You're golden. You can just watch them as Kate can attest when she watched yes. Chihaya. Um <laughs> I got to know those ads were real good. <laughs> yeah. Listeners, I offered to give her my login. Oh. Um <laughs> I can watch three ads over and over again. That's okay. Because I pay for a premium Crunchyroll account, so I don't get ads. Um, 
But I'm really curious about like how they're positioning this because HBO Max made a big, very big deal about its deal with G- GK Kids, G Kids, that has the rights to stream all the Studio Ghibli pro- movies. So this is a different like layer of anime that they're pulling on, and I'm just really curious about who they think that they're trying to attract with this audience-wise. And I don't know that they have an answer apart from we need content to fill out to compete with a niche, but everyone who's going to watch it already has a Crunchyroll account. So Mm -hmm. I'm really curious about what they're going to do here and what this also means going forward. Um, But I'm also very keen on what Crunchyroll is going to curate for HBO Max because they're picking what... um, whatchamacallit, what they're picking, what um, HBO Max is going to show. So I'm yeah. I'm really curious about all this, um, but I'm going to be keeping an eye on it because I have to cancel my current HBO Max, uh, HBO Go account and sign up for it under a different email address to get the promotional. <laughs> <laughs> because for whatever reason, even though I have HBO Go through HBO, they're just like, you're not eligible for this deal. And I went, well, I guess I'm just going to use a different email account then. <laughs> <laughs> yep. It isn't like we've all figured out all the workarounds or anything, but yeah, sure. Okay. That makes sense. Well, this week on the show, we've got, you know, several shows that we're excited to talk about, but we're also going to be spotlighting season seven of Clone Wars, which just wrapped up last week. And this week on Monday. Oh, sorry. Thank you. Yes. This week. And that is like the official conclusion of the Clone Wars saga by the end of the finale we are full circle and tied in with the movies everything so uh yeah we'll have lots of thoughts there at the end of the show but before then we're gonna listen to some music and we're gonna listen to obsessed by fire choir which was a song that was on younger a while back but was on batwoman this week and is incredibly catchy Mm -hmm. um which i really enjoy so anyways we're gonna listen to that and come back with our weekend tv right after this That was Obsessed by Fire Choir. This week in TV, we're going to kick things off with the comedies, which there was a bunch of them. But this week, we're just going to talk about uh, what we do in the shadows, Colin's promotion. And then I'll have a few thoughts on The Last OG Family Feud. Then we'll move over to reality. And I'll briefly chime in on We're Here, Branson, Missouri, and RuPaul's Drag Race Celebrity Edition, the second episode, before we go to regular drag race with Superfan Makeover. And then I'm going to talk a bit about the Charmed finale in season two in general. That episode is on safe space. And we'll round things out with Supergirl. Deus Lex Machina. Like, I should love that title, but I don't. Which is a preview of how I feel about the episode, everyone. Um, But we will wrap things up with Legends of Tomorrow and Ship Broken. Um, I was so worried when I saw that title. Like, which ship are they breaking up? 
but it's not that. It's a different ship broke it, so it's okay. I was I was a little worried for Ava Lance, guys. I was a little worried. I think that's fair. Yeah, but it's all good. It's all good. So we're going to talk first about what we do in the shadows, Colin's promotion, and there's a lot of things I really enjoyed about this episode. But I'm going to particularly mention the musical choices and bringing in Mozart's Lacrimosa was like, as as Colin is like swimming, you know, to fly across the hallway, it was particularly delightful. Um, yeah, I was all about this Colin-centric episode. I really liked it. What did you think? It's really funny. And it's another really good example of what we do in the shadows firing on all cylinders uh, this week. But I think that one of the key things to that I really like about this episode is that, well, we've all sort of suspected, I think, that Colin is arguably more powerful than anyone else in the house. Getting confirmation of just how dangerous Colin is, I think is really, really good. Um, and they handle it in really delightful ways of... The hair that comes over his hair head, which while he's like rubbing his rubbing his head, and it's just like his flaxen locks, his flaxen locks that show up. Then he gets like mastermind brain head size, which is also just really creepy, scary effect. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think generally, just that whole power corrupts kind of thing. He gets a promotion and suddenly becomes absolutely awful. When mm-hmm. all he really wants to do is hang out with these three weirdos. Um, I think it's just a really good twist on that whole character, dweeb character gets a promotion, goes nuts, loses track of who his real friends are, all that kind of stuff. It's very pat sitcom stuff. And they just find a way to make it really delightfully weird to the point where he ends up sapping his own energy. And watching that happen was amazing, Kate. <laughs> the trio of, Col- of Collins, Collins, and Seaman. Wait, no, we need to talk about this nickname. Um, so it was just, it was very good. It was very funny. And the show's just on a roll. Just on a roll. And Guillermo almost confessed, and I'm glad yeah. he didn't. <laughs> well, and it was good to get a little bit of a break from that while still mm-hmm. very much feeling it's, you know, that subplot's present. Yeah, it was it was very nice. Uh, also, the, the B-plot about Nadja and, uh, like, her village having been this beautiful Eden, which is was destroyed by, by Nandor, is just, amazing it was very very good and colin knowingly like the notion is that colin knew this this whole time yes had noticed and no one else had and so out of spite because they don't appreciate his what was it like paint art yeah they don't appreciate his his texas instrument pro paint which is just the specificity it's very good so good so he sparks this massive feud in the house oh it's delightful it's really really funny yeah Yeah. this is one that um i i have i've saved this one on the dvr i will be introducing it to some family members pretty soon because i yeah it's it's really fun so yeah well done like deeply disturbing in a couple of instances so it's oh yeah it's like the best of like what we do in the shadows generally does really well but very contained as well as opposed to kind of the sprawl the good sprawl that they do with like interactions with like other people on Staten Island this being so contained was really good and then just I'm just gonna worm my way in here for like three months and it's just like so weird so weird (laughs) I love it (laughs) yeah well and this is a really good standalone to introduce people to the show too yeah I think so 
if you know like it doesn't have the because it's a colin centric episode it doesn't have quite the same energy and beats that the show usually has but it's just like a, a step or two over to the side and mm-hmm. it i mean it really works to introduce the personalities and the the yeah and, and just the, the energy of the show it's it's super fun um next up we have the last og and i wanted to mention this episode of family feud because they brought in cat williams to be trey's cousin and sort of rival who actually went into the restaurant industry and works as like a line chef in a restaurant oh, okay neat. and and it's the setting is uh thanksgiving so it's his first thanksgiving since you know getting out of prison and uh so there's lots of yeah there's lots of really great uh fun <laughs> with the the various personalities i need to catch up on lester g yeah the season's been solid mm-hmm. but not great okay like I, I always enjoy it but i'm not like rushing to go talk about it which is why i haven't been mentioning it on the podcast but um i really liked i really liked this episode and just some of the different casting they've had all season so mm-hmm. yeah highly recommended and yeah yeah it's fun it's, it's good stuff um over on we're here this is the third episode branson missouri and just as someone who has been to branson just once but my grandparents used to go very regularly and um my like some of my my mom and my aunt have like gone with them before my various aunts and stuff so like i have strong memories of branson um i thought this was a particularly strong episode um and it's just watching so the fact that this is a show about various types of representation but part of it is queer, queer representation and in this episode one of the people that they're their their drag daughters one of their drag daughters is tanner a man who formerly identified as queer mm-hmm. but now does not because mm-hmm. he identifies as christian instead okay. and his mom is not religious at all and you can tell that she is absolutely t- terrified for her kid and trying to do help him and trying to be there and have a relationship with him, but completely not understanding why he has this barrier between accepting his sexuality and like this and, and putting, cause she does <laughs> trying to respect his beliefs, but having no religious belief herself, it is fascinating. And, um, and it's a really, it's a really interesting dynamic that I would not, I mean, it must exist out there. Clearly it does, but I would never have like thought of, as being you know so it just it feels like you know some casting person right it was like oh you should tell you about the this person who would be great for your show and they were like what wait where is this in branson okay well we're doing an episode in branson clearly let's go from there <laughs> um it's just really it's really interesting and the other reason i wanted it's a really it's a really strong episode i just got more screeners so i'm very excited to watch those this weekend um but the other thing i wanted to comment on was the budget because this episode at the end, they have Christina Aguilera, Kelly Clarkson, and Lady Gaga as like, yeah, exactly. Noel's making a face. They have budget on this show, clearly. And it's so cool. Cause like obviously it would be an interesting and valuable and worthy show, even if they had very little budget and all the was like all original music or something else. But the fact that they have you know that that hbo was like no we're just gonna shake the money tree use whatever songs you want yeah um it really helps with some allows them to do things that are 
even more universal to audiences because they're drawn, like connecting with such massively popular songs that I wouldn't expect to necessarily be on a reality show about drag queens doing drag makeovers. Um, so yeah, it's really cool. I really like this yeah. episode. I'm excited to see the next ones. Yeah, I may circle back to Branson um, because like I watched the episode two today and I kept drifting out of it. Um, but Grandpa Larry. Yeah, no, he's great. But I kept drifting out of it. So okay. I was just like, maybe this is just not a show that I'm into. But I'm curious to see that narrative. So I think I'll circle around to Branson. Well, I look forward to your thoughts. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> when we went, when we had our family trip to Branson. It was for my grandparents' uh, anniversary. I don't remember which number. 50th? maybe i should know that i'm a bad person for not knowing that you're not a a bad person for not knowing that yeah a little bit (laughs) um it it was like i mean listeners who you may not know this i am very very pale i'm very white (laughs) i'm like reflectively white i go outside for 10 seconds in the sun and i start burning um so we're very on the upside listeners i got a really great tan when kate and i went to vegas together (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's because reflecting the 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 the, the radiation um but uh we went and it was our entire extended family right and then my brother's girlfriend at the time who's asian american and the looks that she got just walking around brand it was it was very eye-opening and she was just amazing powering through what must have been a difficult experience for her as like since people were like people were like gawking at her in the streets like it's like you've never seen someone who's asian american ever in your entire life what but um so yeah i could because of that and then and obviously i had a really really positive experience like elements to my branson experience and i you know love my grandparents so deeply um and they really love branson so like i've got some positive connections to branson and some negative connections to branson so it just was a it was it was very um yeah it was very interesting it was a a good choice for this kind of a show yeah um over on rupaul's drag race the rupaul's secret celebrity drag race they had their second episode and i was just mentioning it because last week we talked about how the by far the biggest celebrities were the drag queens uh this week they had they stepped up their game but particularly (laughs) particularly with vanessa williams as one of the three who then won who i also felt a little bit like like oh yeah i'll come do the show i'm winning my episode though (laughs) yeah yeah absolutely yeah i'm not gonna come on your show and then not win (laughs) i'm not losing to a comedian and whomever the other person was. Yeah. And they all did a really good job, actually. The only one thing that was weird was that they did twerk in nine to five as their rusical. Okay. Um, and so then, then one of the, one of them was Dolly. One of them was Jane and one of them was Lily, except that for Lily, they didn't do anything. Lily Tomlin mm. at all. It was like, it's not okay. A rap thing. So I don't know why. I guess they just assume that people watching will know who the other two leads of that movie are and won't know Lily Tomlin. So they're like, hey, what do you want to do? And they went for a Missy Elliott vibe. So like, it's weird. Um, It is weird. Yeah. 
but it, it was still it was still a very fun episode and the, the celebrities came to play they were they were like pulling out weaves they were like uh yeah they were they were all in on it which was delightful so i'm looking forward to the next episode of that uh tonight as we record but let's move on to drag race and the super fan makeover because i thought they did a good job I mean, like the people who were definitely in the bottom, there were two who were definitely the bottom and four who were safe and winning. I thought yes. it was pretty distinct for me. Um, but even the ones in the bottom looked good. It's just, you know, wasn't nearly the, as the same level as the other queens. Yeah, I, th- I think that the episode's good. But I also think that for me, a lot of this episode, as you and I sort of discussed off mic and in text was it really heavily rewarded people who had money and came prepared mm-hmm. and, and were very prepared <laughs> and it just kind of sucks some of the fun out of it. I think for me anyway of, okay, well we've got this clearly tailored for the makeover stuff already ready to go. We've got Sherry pies, perfect um, tiramisu. Yeah. Yeah. Pristine. Um, that was clearly prepped for this in mind you don't get to pick your drag name because i've already embroidered this mm-hmm. um the uh Gigi's whole um inverted cruella deville stuff uh which looks good but it's also has i think i was very glad when daisy ridley was just like it's boring it's good but it's boring <laughs> we are not the first people to say this there needed to be a reveal yeah no there i kept waiting I was like, wait, where's where's the reveal? Where's where's what's underneath that big coat? Oh, there's nothing under that big coat. Oh. Well, that's just really lazy. What you did you do in your time? You painted a face beautifully. Yeah. yeah. But that's it? Yeah. I was just like, oh, you expected dudes and didn't want to do a tuck. Okay. That's what <laughs> happened here. Um, well, or people of any size and shape. Which is what happened to Heidi. Which is what happened to Heidi, because I do not doubt that Heidi had another look that went exactly with what she brought yeah. with her jumpsuit that her super fan she was paired with was never going to be able to fit into. Mm-hmm. And and she did not trust her ability to sew something that was appropriate in the time. Yeah. And so tried to make something else work by, you know, talking to the other queens and finding who had a garment that would fit with like the disco kind of theme. And they went from there. And I think that a lot of like, if Sherry had had Heidi's super fan, what would she have done? Yeah, exactly. Cause that, that outfit is made like it's made, made. Yeah. There is nothing you could do to like retailer that outfit because it's, it's done. Um, so for me, that was just, it sucked a lot of the energy out of the episode. Even if I really enjoyed everyone's interactions among everyone, I thought it was really, really great. Um, but it just kind of just laid really flat for me. Um, even if it's really well done, but I expect it to be well done when we're this close to the end. Um, and when also most everyone has the money to do this, um, Mm -hmm. apparently, yeah. So I think it's a good episode, but I was also just kind of, it wasn't as fun as some of these other makeover episodes are because of, we didn't get to see a lot of that because, yeah. So I was just, it was good, but it was also just kind of boring. I thought that Heidi, I thought it showed well of Heidi that she didn't go, well, I brought something else, but you know, it didn't really yes. work because she was, because the space was there. They asked yeah. her. 
And she demurred from that and instead, you know, was very politic about it. And I don't think, obviously nothing about this show is is really fair, right? It's very crafted, you know, obviously. Um, But at a certain point, there's a reason that whoever gets paired with someone who is not of the same body type of as the queen that they're with usually ends up in the bottom whether it's someone who's really tall or really short or really big or really small like there are certain there are certain people who they bring on for these makeovers who as soon as you start the episode you know they're probably going to be in the bottom and i think that that is i think that's just really shitty to the people that they're bringing on to make over yeah and there are ways that you could work around that for example, you could say you have to make an outfit for your drag daughter. Right, which they haven't done a crafting challenge, really. And I'm very frustrated by that. Yeah, just the ball ball. Yeah. 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 And so having, like, there are things that they could do. Because I felt, I felt, I thought that that all the queens did a good job with their makeover. Yes. And I just felt a little bad for Nicole because her makeover experience was still apparently really wonderful. And yeah. very positive and uplifting, but was never going to be quite as satisfying as all the other ones. Yeah. And and so that's and that's not her fault. And I don't think it's Heidi's fault either. No, it's not Heidi's fault at all. So yeah. when they were dinging Heidi for not having just like sewn up a new garment, I was like, oh, that is ridiculous because you it are not, you're not making the same expectations for anyone else on that runway. And that's ridiculous. The the queen who I actually thought under delivered the most was Jackie. Yeah. Because I thought that Snacky had tremendous charisma and personality that then didn't translate anywhere near enough on the yeah. state. Like if she had been if that if that superman had been paired with I think pretty much any of the other queens, it would have mm-hmm. been even better and even more fun. I thought she nailed yeah. her lip sync and was super fun. Um but like I, the the romper was cute. The hair was just the same hair on two different. It was just the same wig. So that yeah. felt a little like cheating because I always wanted to be resemblance, but not twinning. Yes, which is why I like Jada's work way more than than Gigi or Sherry because yeah. it was like I the mo- mother is in the pageant gown and the daughter's in the cute cocktail dress because she's the younger one, right? Yes, like for me that really that really worked. Um, we have not mentioned Crystal, and we must. Because Lady did Bert and Ernie. And I don't know how they got around the rights for that, but I'm so glad they did. It's clear enough that it's not Bert and Ernie, but But they said Bert and Ernie. Like, she said Bert and Ernie out loud. And, spoiler, in tonight's episode, somebody does a runway look of a character from Mm Scooby-Doo, and they say Jinkies. Uh, I was inspired by one of my favorite childhood cartoons. And for rights issues, they don't say anything beyond that, you know? Yeah. So I don't know how they got around those rights issues with Sesame. Or maybe Sesame Street was just like, oh, no, it's cool. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Warner Media was like, it's cool. Yeah. <laughs> Important distinction. But I, yeah. I, I thought it was great. I loved it. Yeah. And they they should have won. <laughs> um, just for like, I I know, I, I, their look was just really fun. It had a lot of personality. And um, Crystal's um, super fan was just so excited mm-hmm. and was so Great. game and 
yeah. was also, I think, really importantly given space to sort of still feel like herself. Which is sort of was like the thing I ran into with um, Sherry's thing of like, you Janet got a super fan named Janet the Planet. Legally, she changed her name. She's got a super cool asymmetrical haircut. And you're just going to bury her under all this old woman drag makeup. No, sir. No. <laughs> but yeah. yeah, everything with Crystal was just really great. It was basically like, even if it wasn't Bert and Ernie, it still felt like 90s kids animation on acid, which describes a number of 90s kids animated series. <laughs> but it was just really, really good. And I was very glad after like the whole tease of, She's all yellow um, in the coming <laughs> coming up. That's a choice. That's which, a choice. And yeah. then it's like, oh, no, it's the correct choice. <laughs> yeah. And that's why I think Crystal, I mean, for me, this episode really solidifies the top four. Yeah. It's going to have to be these four. And we all know Sherry's been eliminated. But yeah. so maybe I don't know if they're going to do like a like sub in someone else for Sherry or not. But yeah. The top four is, is, in no order, is Gigi, Jada, Crystal, and, you know, she who will not be named. So, like, and the other two are great. And in a different yeah. season, they could definitely be in the finale. But in this season? Yeah. And Heidi's getting Miss Congeniality, no problem. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Narrator like, of the season. Like, everyone's yeah. favorite. She'll, you know, like, they'll, they'll all come back. Whoever doesn't win is going to... <laughs> except for the one are all going to come back on all stars and crush it as will widow as will a mm-hmm. bunch of these queens that have already been eliminated yeah um but yeah this was and, and so that's why for me the non-elimination even though i support that idea so that the super fan doesn't feel like they let down their queen and sent them home yeah. which i think is why they did that but the yes. non-elimination was like no there was a winner the winner yeah. was heidi she won that yeah. lip sync um jackie did was fun she did a good job but heidi won yeah we have to do this again but it's so clear that these two are not making at least for me we'll see what happens but it seems very clear these two are not making the final four so then it just feels like a bit of treading water whereas i would have done a double save in the previous episode yes i thought thought widow got a short shrift in the previous like the editing of the previous lip sync because i I thought jackie won it but just barely and Mm -hmm. the way that they tried to sell that was just by not showing widow's lip sync yes and Widow is someone that if Widow had made it to the top four, you know she would be contending because mm-hmm. Lady can lip sync. So yes. anyways, lots of thoughts on Drag Race this week. Um, over in genre, we have Charmed, which had its season finale. Of course, all these CW shows and most of the season cut short. Um, this this episode is like their calm before the last couple episodes storm kind of thing where they like come to a they move the plot points around and it's like a moment before everything breaks loose. At least the end of the episode feels that way. I think a lot of this this season has been fun. Um, and, and I've certainly, I mean, I've kept up with the show. There aren't, I think this is the only show that started last year, like last previous season. Yeah. Yeah, Last season that I'm still watching. Um, and I like get a few episodes behind, then I catch up and that kind of a thing. Uh, there's been some, some interesting choices, but I think, the decision to put Harry and uh, Macy together works well. The char- the actors have good chemistry, but they've just been stretching all season long, this dark lighter, white lighter thing. And it just seems very clear that what the resolution is going to have to be, which is going to be to merge them 
together into one whole being instead of one person who's been split and you know i'm worried that she likes the dark me better than me oh she'll never like you we get you know, like like all that kind of drama where it's like okay so we're gonna fuse them again that'll lead to all sorts of other drama we can do the next season and then they're gonna be able to be together happily and getting to know each other and everything so some of that has felt pretty stretched out and forced but i think there's enough um there's enough fun and whimsy and silliness in this show that I'm still watching. And I like, even though I don't like the effects they finally did once they've committed and gotten to the power of three thing. Um, I don't like that. Just let them say the power of three will set you free. It's cheesy and stupid, but so is the show. So like, just embrace it. You know, that's yeah. sort of how I feel about it. But the the effect for that is like a lightning, like a blue lightning effect. And it's just like, guys, that's really stupid. <laughs> 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 like, it's just, it's not it's not great hopefully they won't use it too much um but the there's a lot about the season that has worked um i like the getting rid of the the season one boyfriend and bringing in the season two they brought in for macy a different love interest but unfortunately for me the actor whose name i i do not remember will always just always be jesse from buffy who gets killed in the pilot um and then shows up not nearly often like once i think as a ghost in like one scene or just gets mentioned like once or twice in the entire run of the series and so therefore it's a deep cut and has a lot of weight and significance because you're supposed to remember that they had a best friend their entire lives who died the same day Buffy showed up um traumatically anyway so that actor I was like oh it's Jesse I mean he's got he's a billionaire scientist guy he's whatever he's Jesse so I, you never for a second believed that he was going to be a long-term part of the show or uh you know, he's eventually, they tie him in with the villains and everything. Um, and so some of that has worked and some of that has not. But um, but but I've still, the fact that I'm still watching, I think says a lot, both my affinity for cheesy uh, genre shows and just, and shows that have magic, that have a sense of humor about themselves. And then also the fact that it's on Friday, which means I have a whole week that I can catch up with it. Because if it was on Thursday, I would never have it watched in time for the show, for the podcast. So, you know, that's how it goes. Uh, if you are watching Charmed, reach out and let me know because I'm pretty sure I'm the only one. Uh, let's go over to Supergirl, a show that we are both still watching in its fifth season, Deus Lex Machina's episode. But really, I'm not going to stop watching it because I'm mean. But why am I still watching the show in its fifth season when they're doing episodes like this one? And this is Melissa Benoit's directorial debut. I think she does a fine job, but it, it's like the episode is so stupid. I hate it so much. Uh, Noel, I've been talking a while. How did you feel about this episode? Right. So this, I mean, they did a, they did a like brother sibling of this episode last season where they showed how Lex manipulated everything. So it feels very much like a, all right, here's all the plot. Also, here's a handy recap because you've probably forgotten everything, which was helpful because I had forgotten everything. But at the same time, I also went, oh, right. I forgot everything because it's all bad all really stupid it's all really weird and not interesting and it's just it's not good and so it was very vexing to go through this episode and be like all right he's manipulating eve which makes me feel really bad about eve um because eve's nice but also a murderer and just Mm -hmm. all this stuff um but it's just, I ended up still not caring about anything, even when they, like, try and slide in, like, some 
bridge mending uh, between Kara uh, and Lena, and it's like, yeah, I, I see you show, but I also know you're gonna. Oh, you undid it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because <laughs> you're deeply committed to this rift for some reason. Mm-hmm. So it's just really frustrating. It's really boring. It was also just really awkward timing wise because I know that they've they've had this plot for the season already ready to go and all this stuff. They shot stuff, but a bunch of people just zoning out during a disaster. Not I what don't I believe see. it for a second. I don't believe it for a second. Like it was really difficult to buy into that as a concept that enough people just went, oh. A big alien's going to eat the sun. I guess I'm going to go into VR now. Bye. Well, especially when we're in the middle of a global pandemic where people are right. stuck in their house and desperately looking for ways to escape. Like that. It's like, no, no, no. The way you get everyone on there is you make them have to stay in their house. Yes, That's exactly. how you get everyone to use your thing. Not by having the spectacle of a giant alien about to swallow the sun. Like, oh my gosh. Yeah. So timing wise, I don't fault them for that. There's no way they could have known. No. That's not the show's fault. But it's no, just... but it just underscores how completely unbelievable that reaction is. Yes, know? right. Because media doesn't exist in a vacuum, and our res- our environments influence our responses to that kind of stuff. And it's hard not to watch them do that and go, "That's not how any of this works anymore." <laughs> <laughs> it's not the show's fault. Um, again, it's not. But it's just us. Um, so that was fine, but. In a like stupid way, like the whole showdown with the Sun Eater in space, literally made no sense. <laughs> and I was like, "Oh, Magan's here. Why?" <laughs> because <laughs> Philomar is not available. And it's like, "Oh, okay." Um. So yeah, it just it was it was bad. And I mean, I appreciate John Cryer's dedication to everything. Also, I appreciate Brenda Strong's dedication to everything Mm -hmm. because the lady is committed. Um, But it's just, it's nothing. And I don't care. And I'm not going to watch the show anymore. So like, I'm going to finish this season because there can't be that many episodes left. There's one. Yeah. Within terms of post-production and everything. So it's like, I will watch it, but then I'm probably done. Yeah. Because, this season has just been a complete wash and it's really hard, especially after how really good season four was with a point of view, with a perspective, with really good villains um, and complicated ideas that they were sort of dealing with in really interesting ways. This season's like, what if VR takes over the world? And it's just like, this, uh, this no, like wow. this is bad. This is bad, lazy cyberpunk. And it's not even cyberpunk. It's just bad and lazy sci-fi. So it's just like, whatever, Supergirl. I guess at least you gave her pants, which I still really like. (laughs) Yeah. The part of this episode that, besides everything that you said, yeah, which, yes. The part of this episode that really sticks in my craw is the sexism of it. And, like, the fact that this show that was so defined by its desire to be feminist and to to really center like we're going to have female protagonists female lady boss and cat grant colleagues we're going to have villains we're going to have interesting nuanced villains who are women and then has gotten to a point where they do this episode which says i mean and partially because so many of the characters are women but yeah Oh no, our male hero, a villain, sorry, our male anti-hero and villain uh, has been 
manipulating all of these female characters. He's strong and powerful and and brilliant female characters through their emotions this whole time. It's just so it's it's so insulting. And it doesn't present this as oh Lex manipulates everyone because he's so broken. It instead just feels it just feels like, well I'll do this and then Supergirl will have to do this and and it gives no one else any agency or power or um ability to surprise anyone in this and if if there was a stronger sense of brenda strong like lillian as power behind the throne or a partner to him that would be one thing she's not but she's She's just there for soundboard yeah she's there because he can't talk to himself as much um and like and again i'm gonna manipulate eve with her piddly female emotions you know like there's there's too much of that and yes that's a part of lex's like who he is but it's not contrasted with other characters to keep it in balance. Right. It's not, you don't see him doing the same thing to men. There's a degree of it with Brainiac. Yeah, but they don't focus on that anywhere enough to right. have this be a, like another Correct. point in the track. Yes. So like that, and that's, that's exactly like the perfect example of what they could have done. They could mm-hmm. have used this and like shown him pushing on Brainiac and, and like manipulating him through his relationship with Nia and his how much he loves and cares for Nia. Um, yeah. And he doesn't do that. So it's just Eve and Lena that he's really manipulating through their emotions. Um, yeah. And it, the fact that emotion is the blind spot for so many of these characters, rather than a de- and defining strength or just one part of who they are, is really frustrating that that is presented as a weakness and that I'm, I have no doubt the show will be like really secretly it's their strength and because Lex doesn't have that he can't truly understand their power it's like yeah but when you you don't get to it feels very cheap when you do that after saying this whole season has been to this point all 16 episodes not counting this one have been a you know a manipulation by this guy it's just like, well why did I watch all of it what's the point if everybody's re- responses were predetermined based on Lex's chess Ugh. sorry i'm ranting let's talk about happier things you're fine well we should talk about a couple of happier things in regards to legends of tomorrow yeah so the first thing that we should mention up front we were talking about a bunch of the cw shows ending legends of tomorrow is running through june Mm, i'm so excited because they finished wrapping their season because they only did 14 episodes um well 15 technically um in January, which means that they had more time to get their post-production work done than Flash, than Supergirl, yeah. than... You, I'm um, sure you saw the scene, the one shot in Supergirl, right, where you can see the wires and everything. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, which I appreciate that they just left it in. It was like, eh, yeah. we get it. Yeah, it's fine. I don't care. Pandemic, it's fine. People should be focusing on other things. Yeah. Um, but Legends, at the very least, we're still going to get the... All of the season finales on um, June 2nd. I'm very excited. I'm very pleased. And But it also means that we are, we're going to still get that episode where everyone gets trapped in different TV shows. And I'm just so excited. <laughs> I'm so excited. Um, so that's good. But let's talk about Ship Broken. Um, so how did, how did, what did you think about this episode? So I liked it. And I was watching it, listeners, <clears throat> and almost immediately... Because, of course, friend of the show, Alison Shoemaker, covers this show over at the AV Club. 
And so sometimes she'll, she'll text, um, you know, to see if I'm watching it. So I was talking to her, I was like, oh God, the dog did it, obviously. <laughs> and I got, because it was like, as soon as they start pushing that, it must be Astra. It's like, okay, well, it's not going to be Astra because that's not interesting. Right. So who else could it be? Oh, there's a dog. It's going to be the dog somehow. I don't know why. Yeah. And, and then like the next scene or maybe two scenes later was the reveal of the dog. And, and listeners, Noel, I cackled. I laughed so hard. This is the most I laughed at TV this week probably last week I loved it so much so I went from liking the episode to the reveal and then just the rest was just like oh my god this show's amazing this like never leave us never leave us listen to tomorrow because it's it's so good it's like the dog oh I just feel like I got it in hell it's is it talk about some not about Sam it's like oh my god I just never would have gone there. You know, even after he said hell, I wouldn't have made that connection. No. And it's just so good. I love it so much. So I mean, how did, what did you think? Because if you didn't love it, I'm going to be very confused. I don't love it, love it, but I think it's very good. Like mm-hmm. I, my partner and I were both delighted by the fact that they just went for the Son of Sam thing. It's just like, oh, right. Because the Son of Sam thought his animals we're talking to him and telling him to do things. Oh, it turned out to be true because it was a hellhound. Yes. Yes, show. Yes, thank you. Thank you for that. Um, so no, it's it's very delightful. It's very silly. Um, and I really, really liked it. Like, it's just really good. But I think, like, the thing that I most like about it is just that it forces them into a doing scary voices from things that shouldn't be scary like what they do with the martin stein puppet mm-hmm. um which is just still like top tier that's just very good show mm-hmm. um type of stuff but now it's coming out of a really cute like terrier looking dog and she's like yes no i approve no i i don't care that your hellhound looks a little weird more like a cat than a dog in some ways i don't care because this is all just very ridiculous um so i think all of that works well but i also like the physical comedy stuff that then they force as a result of that of like everyone crowding onto the little like platform or the force field is and it's just like when they were initially like all like on the platform i was just like there's plenty of room to move around on there why are you all huddled together it didn't make sense to me and then they just double down by pushing the force field closer. <laughs> and I'm just like, yeah, I'm I'm here for all of this, and I really appreciate it. It's very good. It's very silly. Um, and so yeah, it's just silly and good. And I I love this show, and I'm very excited about Sarah's eight seconds into the future, whatever you mm-hmm. future vision, however you want to like splice that. It's more than eight seconds. Um, and how that works because yes, that's exactly the power you don't want Sarah Lance, a trained assassin to have. Yeah. Um, at the same time, as Ava wisely points out, maybe it's a good power to have. It's very helpful. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes. <laughs> yeah. That could be really bad in a relationship though. Oh yeah. No, it's a ter- it, It's almost probably terrible to have in a relationship in most situations. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, 
uh yeah no i i really liked it i thought it was super funny the the astra and zari tension was a bit much for me yeah they needed something yeah and they kind of overplay it i think mm-hmm. but it's it's okay i liked astra's outfit enough to not care too much <laughs> <laughs> yeah well and i liked uh mick and lita and i liked uh just like everything else was Again, very well balanced and super fun. And Ava's still dealing with being acting captain and and all of that. It's just it was it it was fun. Oh, and speaking of, we were talking about this on on streaming a place uh, earlier. The Allison talking about Dr. Linda's spinoff show. Yes. Uh, also, we need Dr. Linda to talk to Gideon because. Oh gosh, poor Gideon. Yes, this this was her idea, Allison's idea, and yes, yes, we need it. Oh, Gideon needs so much therapy. Yeah, she does. Um, she, it, I don't know. Not a girl. Point being, what wins your week in TV? <gasps> Good question. Um, I think I gotta go to what we do in the shadows again, though. I think, because, mm-hmm. yeah, that episode was real good. Plus, like yeah. you said, that needle drop. That Mozart needle drop, man. Just, <laughs> and that's a song that's very easy to do in that situation, but to do it and make me not roll my eyes or hate it. It's going to win. So yeah, no, that won my week. What about you? They did a Watchmen needle drop better than Watchmen. So congratulations. <laughs> yeah. Um, Legends of Tomorrow. Because what we did in the shadows was really, really funny. And I left harder at Legends of Tomorrow. Um, so I got to give to Legends of Tomorrow. So yeah, that's what wins my week in TV. Now I'll take a break, listen to a trailer for Clone Wars Season 7, and be back to do our spotlight right after this. Soon. The galaxy will be remade. The Jedi and the Republic will die. I sense a plot to destroy the Jedi. Great care we must take. Why would anyone walk away from being a Jedi? We were trained to be keepers of the peace. Not soldiers. We clowns have mixed feelings about the war. Without it, we wouldn't exist. That was a trailer for Clone Wars season seven, which is the final season of the the series. 
and uh, came to an end this week. It was uh, 12 episodes, basically three, four episode stories, 90 minute movies, you know, kind of episodically yeah. like broken up and paced for TV, very much paced for TV. This is not, they would not say that this is three movies, really. For me, uh, you know, we obviously we both really like Clone Wars. You like it even more than I do, but I, I'm yes. a big fan of it too. I really enjoyed my time with it. And I enjoyed the beginning of the season when I was watching week to week. I caught up to do the, you know, talk about the whole season this week. And so it was a lot of binging. And I think that really helped um, how some of it played for me. For me, it's, it, it just breaks very distinctly into those three parts. Yes. There's Bad Batch. There's Ahsoka when she, you know, before the season starts off doing adventures and then there's the the final movie and for me it's this is fun but you know not amazing but this is fun and there's some there's some through lines that i'm connecting to for the bad batch yeah this is stupid and should be much better for the middle one and this is fucking awesome for the last one yes (laughs) we're on the same page oh no, no no we're very much on the same page um so yeah let's let's do arc by arc i guess um because we're very much on the same page so bad batch stuff i a like i said when i first watched it i just love the fact that they just do a clone wars a team like yeah it's just fucking delightful they're very blatant um, and it's just right that's the right right call. yeah no like um i tweeted at uh one of the writers for that episode uh brett um friedman who i talked to a little bit when i was reviewing um clone wars over at tv.com um during season four and season no season four and season five i think it was mostly season five um because he and i interacted a little bit um then but i was just like i really want to thank you for this episode this is all really really delightful and he was just like thank you for picking up on it because he's getting tweeted at with people who haven't watched a bunch of shows from the 80s and early 90s of like Mm. all that stuff i mean one of the characters has a rambo head headband on it's just like i don't know what you want me to do show um so i think it's all really good but i think like going back to echo um was really really good and how they sort of re-explored that as especially right before when we're coming up on order 66 of who are these clones how do they find belonging and culture and that kind of stuff, which again, the show doesn't like go too deep into the culture aspect, but the degree to which that they find acceptance amongst themselves, um, I think is really, really cool and really interesting. And so I thought it was really good. It had a lot of good action and the clones themselves are the bad batch in particular are all really fun, but also, and this is something that's been a three line throughout the series. D Bradley Baker's fucking phenomenal. Yeah. Um, like giving everyone really distinct voices. And so I just really enjoyed this initial batch. It's very fun. It's a little silly, but the providing echo gives it enough emotional heft to keep it from just being too silly, I think. So for me, it works really, really well. Yeah. Well, and it's good to get a clone centric Mm -hmm. story in this season so that the end will have the impact it needs. And right. also very good that they send the Bad Batch off and they send Echo off because that would break our hearts too much mm-hmm. at the end. So we're going to keep Rex and we're going to show, you know, in a really impactful way. No, you know some of these clones. You know, yeah. we're not taking the time to talk to them, but you do know them. Um, this is going to sting, but it's not going to sting the way it would if it was Echo. And right, exactly. And if it was some of these other, yeah, other characters. So, like, it, 
it's very again the structure of the season that like that beginning and that end is really well structured to make sure that they go that the the stuff that they need to land at the end will land in the right way and having it be more lighthearted and fun i think is an important part of that um because otherwise the 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 gut punch of it's not a game it's not a joke it's not an 80s action comedy right yes it's something else entirely will land better because they've lulled us into you know hopefully you know obviously nobody's watching this has forgotten what's going to happen we all know how the story ends <laughs> it's not happy so um doing kind of getting the audience where they want them with this kind of more um obviously gallows humor but like almost happy-go-lucky while people are yeah playing. You know, yeah. kind of vibe works really, really well. Also, bringing back Trench, great. Oh, gosh. Great Just the, one of their best villains. Like, I love Trench. Um, yeah. So, I was also very sad when Trench died. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. But needed to happen, because Trench is awful. Um, the thing that I really liked about how, about bringing in Trench is that Trench has always been their, like, the Separatist's the best strategist. And then we find out why. And I'm just <laughs> like, Oh, that's so good. That's so good. Um, so I was, I, I really liked it. Obviously, <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, it was really good. It was. I mean, even just on the sheer level, obviously, there's the voice performance is really good, and the writing is really good. Uh, but also just the creature design. It's just yeah. so good. It doesn't mm-hmm. mean like it's great. Um, okay, we got to start with the middle one now. Yeah, because WTF. Yeah. Like, it's at least two episodes too long. Yeah, no, it's way too long. Like, I really like this idea of Ahsoka falling in with um, these two sisters who are struggling within, like, the depths of Coruscant. Um, And there's plenty of story material there. Just, like, the depths of Coruscant in general. There's just plenty you can do there. Um... But they don't find anything interesting to say or do in this episode. Um, it's very much a long slog to make sure that the pikes are up enough so that we can reintroduce Maul and set that up. Like, it's such a long slog to get to that point of that's what this is about. Um, because anyone who's watching the show hasn't forgotten that Maul runs all the crime organizations in the galaxy um because he did that big coup um that that's always there so you're waiting for that shoe to drop but the problem is is that it's really a deeply repetitive series of four episodes the arguments between trace and rafa who i think are both really interesting characters in their own right but are saddled with very dull stuff to do in this um their arguments are exactly the same every single episode they get tossed in jail. They escape from jail. They get tossed back into jail. They escape from jail again, but then they kind of get stuck in jail again, and then they... they it's just not good. Um, and it's... It's 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 just really, really frustrating. Um, yeah. So, and Ahsoka just... Because she's hiding the fact that she's a Jedi, it does not help. <laughs> Like, to keep the action going. Um, yeah, and, like, it just, yeah, it's just bad. And I don't want to talk about it, like, too much because it's not good. Yeah. Um, well, because we're going to get repetitive. We're going to get as repetitive as the writing in for those episodes got repetitive. Right. If we keep talking about it. Um, 
there are there's a couple things there and obviously they need Ahsoka to do something different and having this be one or two episodes uh, yeah. while she's like kind of milling around trying to find herself or figure out what's next would work you wouldn't get that you know the, some of the beat of oh it's not only the bad guys who don't like jedis yeah you know. yes that, that wouldn't land as well if after one episode or two episodes as it does after four but so i was watching this and i was very frank and just i was like i remember this show being so much better than this and then thankfully i got to the last one i was like oh no it was it can be because this is really really great but you know it takes a couple episodes but by the time, when the last move the last four episodes when they it hits its stride it's epic and i i was fully engrossed i was very invested and committed um with the characters with like darth maul who i don't care about at all even a little bit um even from the previous appearances uh i was so in it and i was like oh okay this is what the show is like when it's really good i'm not I, i'm not misremembering it i'm not thinking back with rose-colored glasses this middle this middle movie or part of it just isn't very good and yeah. it's a shame because there's no reason for it not to be. And also because it has Ahsoka and she's amazing. And for there's some, some stupid part of my brain that won't go away completely who wants people to like Ahsoka who don't already realize that she's amazing. And I need to train that part of my brain to just shut up because if they don't realize she's amazing, that's on them and they're wrong. And not because she needs to be validated as a character. You know what I mean? Um, and because watch this and be like... <laughs> People are going to watch this and they're going to think that it's because Ahsoka isn't cool. And it's not because Ahsoka isn't cool. It's because this is just really, really repetitive. Um, yeah. So let's just talk about the last movie because it's amazing. So good. It's just really, really good. And I think like the thing that I responded to it most strongly about was, and in the back of my brain, a lot of this season it, in terms of how I thought about it, really reminded me about the last season of Elementary, mm-hmm. in which we got a really good finale, a series <laughs> finale already. So what are you going to do? <laughs> because you you ended how you were going to end, and then corporate powers that be went, we need you to come back. Um, and this is different from like the Lost Missions episodes that originally aired on Netflix, because... Th- all of those episodes were already done when the show got canceled after the Disney acquisition of Lucas. Um, this is, we need a whole story type of deal. So, but then they're just like, oh, well, what if we just keep the story on Ahsoka? And it's just like, yes, thank you. Cause that's all I, that's all that, that's all that really matters ultimately is that Clone Wars remained a story ultimately about both these clone troopers that we follow and Ahsoka Tano. And that works really, really well. And I really appreciate that that's not, that that doesn't get lost in this um, because that's the reason why like the season five finale works as well as it does is because it's about Ahsoka. And then this works as well as it does because it's mostly about Ahsoka. It's also about Rex and it's also about putting Darth Maul where he needs to be as well. That's, like, the only criticism I really have about this, like, arc is that a lot of it, while it's very, very good, is also a series of, 
checking boxes type of stuff to put people in different positions. We need to put Mandalore in a position for the Mandalorian. We need to put Ahsoka in position for Star Wars Rebels. We need to put Rex in position for Star Wars Rebels. We need to put Maul in position for... Spoiler alert, the Solo movie. Um, (laughs) So all those little things are there. um, But it doesn't matter because everything else is really, really very good. Like the action's really good. The music's really good. Um, The animation's really, really good. Like watching Ahsoka land while there's just things exploding around her onto a platform. It's just like, Ahsoka's a badass motherfucker. (laughs) (laughs) so i really really enjoyed these and then the overall narrative decision to have this last movie take place during revenge of the sith just like i was just like oh no order 66 order 66 to saga get out of there get out of there Mm -hmm. and so i was just like i was just like very excited and then to have the callback to the first arc of Lost Missions, which deals with top and then fives. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, this is very good. So... Like, it's the thing, it's like, you, you see it and you're like, well, of course they had to do that. But also, yes. part of your brain is like, I'm so glad they didn't forget about that. I mean, like, I don't know why they would have forgotten about it, but yeah. the feels. hmm Exactly. So, I think that this is just really... It's a much more action-driven finale than this sort of, like, more emotional finale that the show had originally. But it's still really, really good. And it just looks gorgeous. It look like, they spent so much money on these episodes <laughs> that I just kind of can't get over how good, like, everything from 10, 10 episodes, like, 9 to, whatchamacallit, 9 to 12 look. So I'm going to stop talking for a minute. How did you feel about these? Yeah, I think the way you can tell the action is really good is that uh, the action set pieces in the first arc, mm-hmm. I was like, okay, this is fun. There's yeah. some creative stuff in here. Cool. The second arc, I don't care. Are we done blowing things up yet? Can we? Okay. That's, you know, fair enough. Uh, I, I was watching this while I was running on the treadmill and it was like, not even helping me in that setting, you know? And then the action set pieces in the third one, I was fully engrossed and very committed. So yeah, I animated and animation action set pieces compared to what other people talk about when they talk about action animated series. I think, I, I think I'm like, if there's a norm, I'm below the norm with my, like how much I connect to and, and care about the action set pieces and animated things, yeah. unless it's an exceptional show or a show that's re- like, it basically it needs to be driven by the characters and needs to be executed really, really well for me to get that engrossed in an animated action set piece usually. And that was absolutely happening in this. Now, yes, there is definitely moving pieces around for various things, Yes, but I haven't seen Solo. So I don't yeah. care. I, I didn't know right. like, that that mall needed to be somewhere. And that was still very effective. It still works for yeah. me. And he admittedly needs to be somewhere for like rebels as well. But yeah. yes. Yeah. So I, I thought that, 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 I thought that that still worked. Also the decision to set it during, uh, during Sith. Um, I always just figured that they were going to take that very convenient out of which they toy with in this. Of, mm-hmm. Well, she's not technically a Jedi. So Therefore, and that was going to be the cognitive dissonance that was going to allow her to walk away. 
and then yeah. to not to not kill her. So the fact that they presented that and then threw it out was I thought I thought a very good choice that was very also true to the spirit of the thing. Yes. It it didn't let them have an easy out. Um and so that was really impactful. And then I don't care about Anakin like at all. Like I negative care about Anakin. And so uh, which has been a big issue for me in the Clone Wars because I don't sure. care about Anakin. <laughs> and they've tried and the, the vocal performances have been good and like they've done a lot for yeah. me with that character. But still, I don't care. And I don't even care about uh, Ben Kenobi very much, Obi-Wan very much. Uh, so like... How dare. I know, yeah. I, don't, I just don't. <laughs> a little More than Anakin, obviously, but not very much. I do care a lot about Rex. I do care a lot about the other clones that I got, you know, we got to know over the, the run of the show. Yeah. And I do care a lot about Ahsoka Tano. Tano. So, um, yeah, that was the right choice. <laughs> and uh, I was just so glad, like, because they, when they said it, they can't have Anakin around very much. So I was like, yay, that's better for me. Cause that's the part of the show that I like just watching and just getting reminded of all the terrible story writing choices and performance choices and direction choices in the prequel movies um, and just what a completely bungled opportunity they represent. So yeah, the, the, the fight scene with uh, Maul and Ahsoka uh, is, yeah, it's been, I mean, it's been probably since it was out. So this is not a fair comparison, but it's better than the one that with Obi-Wan It's better than the first time they killed him. In my opinion. <laughs> Uh, in Phantom Menace in 99. Yeah. Okay. It's better than Phantom Menace. And I, do, I just mean on an emotional story level yes. part. And on a amount of me being invested in it. Don't get me wrong. The stunt work and all of that. The fight choreography in Phantom Menace for that scene is amazing. Best part of the movie. Yeah. And, yes. and the pod racing. Um, but I, I, I cared. <laughs> in this. I was very invested in this. And that is because of the the craft of the storyboarding and the animation. And I think you were going to talk a bit about the motion capture that they used, but also because of the writing. Right. So I didn't know when I watched this, that they actually bought in um, Ray Park, who did the physical work for um, Maul in the Phantom Menace, Um, like was Maul and all the makeup and everything. And they redubbed his voice using um, our beloved favorite, Peter Safenowitz Mm -hmm. um, as the voice of Maul. And then they bought in uh, Lauren uh, Mary Kim to do Ahsoka's. Um, and then they motion captured that fight. And then they animated it that way. And I remember like when I watched the fight and go, this is really complex. And there's a lot of like animation type stuff that is expensive and time consuming to do. Why would you do this? And then I read that they did motion capture for it and went, oh, that explains it. I mean, it's still a lot of work, but that was the correct choice because that fight's just really visceral Mm -hmm. um, and really complicated. And doing that from an animated perspective is like a lot of work, but then you get two stunt people to do it. And it's suddenly like it lives in a way that when you're talking about like the action sequences like in the Bad Batch are funny. You get to see a big clone rip off heads of droids. It's amusing, but it feels like a cartoon. 
this is still a cartoon, but it feels different. It, there's a there it's there's a tangibility to the fight that doesn't exist in other action sequences on this show or other shows for that matter, and that just makes a huge difference. But then you talk about the emotion emotional aspect of it of Ahsoka's sort of trying to figure out what's going on. Maul, who I just Sam Witwer's vocal work for Maul is I think really really great. Um, but also, I really like how the show has turned Maul into this deeply insecure man with delusions of grandeur. Um, and just how that keeps feeding everything and all of his decisions. And Whitweer just gets that in a weird level. And just how that comes out vocally is just really, really good. And Maul just, as all Siths do, just keep wanting to make the same goddamn mistake over and over again. Um, I think it's just really great. And then, I mean, it's also super extra, Kate. Like, there's no reason for that whole bay of windows to blow open before their fight starts. Yes, there is, because it's cool. But and that is good reason. That is the reason, is because it's so cool. Um... <laughs> So I think it's really good. So all the mall stuff I think is really, really good. And then just so that he's bouncing around a little bit while the Order 66 stuff is happening. Um, Which I feel like we should talk a little bit about because I really appreciate that they devoted as much time as they do to Ahsoka trying to figure out a way to save Rex. Which canonically Mm -hmm. obviously had to because Rex is around in Star Wars Rebels. Um, So you have to do that. That being said, answering that question and then also making sure that basically three astromechs are the reason why anyone's able to do goddamn anything. Because mm-hmm. um, God bless astromechs, because otherwise all other living sentient organisms are completely helpless without them. <laughs> um, that I think it just felt like a really good encapsulation of what the show ultimately is about is it really values like who these clones are basically. And like the, the decision to have Rex always shooting like the stun stun bolts instead of like full on lasers, um, I think is really significant and really important to like show and make sure it's shown consistently. Mm -hmm. Um, So I just really appreciated the care that they gave to these, these clone troopers and Rex in particular, um, because we couldn't do Cody because Cody was over on Utapau <laughs> with mm-hmm. Obi Wan. <laughs> yeah, yeah. When did they start? Did they always have such a different visual for the stun versus the kill? Yes, that's from A New Hope. That's from A New Hope, right? Okay, because yeah. I don't even remember it in yeah. A New Hope and, and stuff. It's uh, it's shown literally once when they stun Leia on uh-huh. the um, whatchamacallit on the ship. That's the only time that we oh, see okay. it. Um, and then they use it a fair bit in the prequels, I think, but like, it's literally the only time that it shows up in the original trilogy. Yeah. Okay. But then in, in Clone Wars, I even, I didn't necessarily, I was just like, oh, there's some type of types of beams, um, or whatever. I wasn't really thinking about it too much. And then, but that pays such dividends here because it really amplifies the stakes and what they're dealing with, because you see a bunch of lasers and you see a few stun and that underscores where they're coming from and the, 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 you know, the characters and their choices and everything else that you're watching. Um, yeah, it's really impactful. Sure, Rex needs to survive because of this show and that show, but also because Ahsoka really needs a win 
and she yes. needs her friend. And so they, they earn it. They earn it entirely with the writing for her. And um, they also earn this notion that there isn't enough time or she would save them all. She would yes. un- fix them all, but there just isn't. Uh, it becomes very clear. I mean, obviously we know what we're watching. Yeah. So we know what's coming, but there's a pivot point surprisingly early on in the, like the last act of this, of these four episodes where it becomes the win condition is escape. Yes. And then, and in a way that is often not sold convincingly in various like movies and, and, and shows and stuff, the question of will they be able to escape is a serious and significant one. It like, it is highly in doubt if they manage to survive and escape, that will be remarkable. And I think like this captures that energy even like even more than, than when the best episodes of the Mandalorian, which Mm -hmm. had a few episodes like that. Um, And it'll be by the skin of their teeth just barely and if they're very very lucky and they are very very lucky and if they are very very lucky they won't have had to murder a bunch of their friends to do it so it's dark and it is difficult and it is paced in such a way that you never lose sight of the messages and the themes of the show around the futility of war and uh and the everything that the show has been exploring um, and the, the series, you know, and the prequel stuff, some of the themes throughout all the prequels has been exploring while you also don't have time to think about any of that. So like it, there's a bit of a dichotomy, at least for me, while you're watching it, it's both those things are very clear bubbling under the surface. And, um, yeah, it's just, it's just really good. I really liked it. Yeah. And I think that like the fact that they also make sure to do the care of like, Ahsoka's taking the time to bury all the clones after they crash on the moon. Um, mm-hmm. And layering that on top of like the fact that a number of them had painted their helmets. Yeah. Just, Such a smart choice. <sighs> yeah. Such a smart choice that just keeps... Because when, when they're first presented, right, and she like touches Rex's helmet, I was expecting it to smear a little bit and come off. Yeah. And then it doesn't, so it's like means it's dried on painted. And having that, and having it not be all them, but sprinkled in amongst was just well done guys that was a really smart writing choice that just kept coming getting better and better every time yeah and it's just really good and then i think that the other thing that i really liked about like that that little epilogue they do with um um like the 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 snowtroopers and then vader showing up and finding Mm -hmm. everything um a couple of things about that is one, I really appreciated how a lot of that felt like Chris McCurry's concept art for um, Star Wars. Um, Cause it feels super painterly down to the fact that even a lot of like the details of everything feels more painted than computer animated. Yeah. Um, which I really, really liked. Then there's the convoy flying overhead, which this is a really like weird deep cut <laughs> for the show and everything but they're really closely associated with um the force in general um like dave filoni's conceptualized them as sort of like messengers basically but the characters also um heavily associated with ahsoka 
um, through various appearances. Um, so it ends on a really good sort of ambiguous note about, wait, is she alive? Is this bird just watching over where she died? Like all that kind of weird tension for Vader, which then kind of gets explored a little bit to a lesser extent in Rebels when they finally have a confrontation. Um, is really good, but I appreciated that there's still that space for that little bit of an emotional moment. Weirdly for Anakin, um, Mm -hmm. even if it doesn't, like, super-duper matter. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think that last little bit just works really well for me. The aesthetic of that last scene did stand out as being, now you're in something new, which is appropriate, because we are. It's a different phase of the saga and all of that, so yeah. I hope that there are people, as they are stuck in pandemic mode right now, they can't leave home, who got Disney Plus, who have started watching this and then got to this part of the season and went, oh, holy crap, and then went back and started at the beginning. Because, <laughs> uh, yeah, they really, really stuck the landing. So, well yeah. done, Clone Wars team. Yeah, no, and then, I mean, then you have to watch Rebels, and you really don't need to watch Rebels. There's some mm-hmm. good stuff in it, but... That's where a lot of Ahsoka stuff is now. Yeah. Until Mandalorian season two. <laughs> yeah. Which that's the main thing. Like that's yeah. ensuring that we're back for season two. Yeah. But that will wrap up our discussion of Clone Wars season seven, the final season of Clone Wars. Um, a few show notes here at the end of the episode. You can find a post for this episode over at theteleverse.org where you can leave us a comment and let us know what you thought of the week's TV. You can like our page on Facebook and start up a conversation there. You can email us at televerse.gmail.com. You can find our M4A chaptered feed and MP3 unchaptered feed up in Apple Podcasts. We'd appreciate ratings and reviews there. And of course, we're also up in Stitcher. Same thing, we'd appreciate ratings and reviews. And then we are both on Twitter. I am at the Televerse and Noel, you are? At Noel RK. Thank you so much for a great week, Kate. Thank you, Noel. And thank you everyone for listening. We'll be back next week with another episode of The Dollars.